Guzman. And you're listening to another edition of Film Q. We have some unfinished business from last week. Andres, did you end up watching Cloud Atlas? I did watch it. I really liked it. And that's it? It's a three-hour <laughs> movie and that's all you have to say about it? <laughs> Go on about it. It's really interesting. I like the way they were able to cut back between the different uh, timelines. Absolutely revolutionary editing. How was that for fucking a topic to talk about? The way it cuts across movement, uh, just an emotional, resonant uh, feeling. I know there's been a few story ideas that I've had uh, that are a bit non-linear, and this definitely gave me an idea of how to write it, because I know what the story is linear-wise, but I also know that's super boring if I just wrote it like that, and I like it when I throw it all over the place. Yeah, I'll see it. Every film can offer you something. Cloud Atlas is one of my top favorite films of all time because I feel like it's encapsulation of everything the Wachowskis are about. And I adore the Wachowskis, which will come up later in this episode. I'm going to have to revisit the Matrix trilogy soon then. Oh, me too. I actually will defend Revolutions and Reloaded. I don't remember which one's which. Uh, (laughs) Revolutions is the last one. Reloaded is the second. That sounds about right. Yeah. (laughs) I'm getting a reputation for defending movies everybody hates, (laughs) which I like. I like that reputation. Which might come in later. It it will come in later, and it will be the Wachowskis. I think we already know what this is going to be. Anyway, I did watch American Beauty, and I know you read my letterbox review. Check out my letterbox. Where I said, holy Jesus Christ, is this written by a 15-year-old? I didn't understand really what you meant. And what I was saying isn't that it's badly written so much that it has a teenager's point of view of the world, mainly because it hates the suburbs for one, which is fine. You can have a movie that hates the suburbs, but it's totally glorifying the let's run away and uh, screw your parents or whatever. Like they're so boring and ordinary and who wants to be boring and ordinary? I just think that's such a lame, childish way to look at the world. And it's just rewarding all the wrong characters, I felt. But that's... And I know you want me to watch Six Feet Under, who's it's written by the same guy or something. I don't want you to. I think you need to. Oh. oh. <laughs> Big words. But um, I don't think it's the writer. It might not be a writer's issue so much as a Sam Mendes issue. Because right. I had the same problem with Skyfall, where it works on a very surface level, and you'll enjoy it. But if you look a little bit deeper... You see the poisonous, awful things it's really saying, and I just can't stand by it. What poison, awful things were in Skyfall? Um, how about the fact that a woman agent is his partner at the beginning of the film, shoots him, so penetrates him, and then finds her proper place behind the desk at the end of the movie. <laughs> or the lady who admits to being uh, sexually abused as a child because she was a prostitute. And then James Bond has sex with her <laughs> and fixes all her problems <laughs> and then doesn't seem to care when she dies. Stuff like that. <laughs> well, Poison. <all> right. <laughs> exactly. But, it, I mean, it's fun. It's a really well-made movie. And it's not a problem. I mean, it's a problem that's indicative of just James Bond in general. But, yes, the problem with Skyfall in particular is that it's really insidious because it works so well on the surface level. But, anyway, to this week's topic now. We have a guest, Thomas Lavelle. Introduce yourself. Uh, what's up, guys? <laughs> Good enough. <laughs> He's here to talk about 
Uh, yet another friggin' superhero movie. Which I looked up, and I think it might be our last one until, like, February. February? For Deadpool. Oh. Which is, uh, thank God. Lord have mercy. Thank God. I like superhero movies. So do I, but it's the fact that we only talk about them (laughs) on this show that I'm just sick of. Okay, Space Odyssey guy. Yeah. (laughs) You know what? There's a lot to talk about there. (laughs) There's not so much to talk about fucking Fantastic Four. Especially because, and now this is going to get directly into why I didn't like the movie, because it feels like the movie is building up to say something Mm -hmm. for the first, I don't know, 75%, might actually maybe less than that, because it's so short, I can't even... It feels it's short. It feels, it's it's short, but it feels minutes. like it's fairly short. It feels yeah. like to me. For me, it felt like it was double the length. That <laughs> <laughs> was as long as Cloud Atlas. Yeah, <laughs> Cloud Atlas went, was a breeze for me. I didn't realize it was three hours until like I looked at the time. Same with Zero Dark Thirty, but this movie, I'm like, holy crap, this is a long movie. And then you, the first things you said to me when it was done is like, oh, that was so short. I'm like, what? <laughs> what time is it? There was still sunlight. <laughs> Anyway, the movie feels like it's building towards something, but it never, ever, ever says what it is. It just drops it just, off. Yeah, it just becomes a, a green screen battle in, in wherever the hell they are. They, Planet Zero, was it? Some shit yeah, there. yeah. It's Planet it. Zero. It's Planet Zero. Anyway, yeah. What did you guys think? I didn't like it. I think I liked it more than you guys. Uh, but that's like more than. It, I, I can't. I couldn't get myself to say that I liked it. There were good moments. I did enjoy the first two not uh, two thirds of it, I yeah. think. Up until the part where it's just like it, everything's fine and then it's like one year when later. Go back to Doctor find Doctor Doom essentially. No no no. I, a little bit before that. When it once they hit the one year later and I was like when they're now working for the government or something. Yeah, oh, yeah. and I was like and I was like this is a completely different movie, which yeah. is something I'll talk about after. This is this uh, we should say that I don't think it's as bad as we're seeing. Oh, it's not, not. It's, it's not like the worst thing it's in the not, world. It's not because, like, as I checked earlier, and I think on Rotten Tomatoes right now has like nine percent. It's not nine percent bad. <laughs> it's not that bad. It deserves a forty. The thing, <laughs> like, it's a forty. At least yeah, like, forty-five. A forty like, sounds okay, reasonable for this. You know how I feel about these yeah, it's, numerical values. He doesn't like ratings, and I don't. What a rating just tells you is how many. What are the odds that? Like you'll end up liking it essentially, right? If you're on that sort of general consensus level, like nine percent, it shows that it's not resonating at all with people, right? Yeah. So there's a very slim chance you'll like it. It just doesn't work. But if it's like a sixty, it doesn't mean the movie's bad. It just means for a large portion of the audience, it just doesn't work for them. Mm-hmm. But there's that sixty percent chance that it will. That's how I look at it. It's not a numerical thing where you're like this movie's a 6 out of 10 what the hell does that even mean right like it has 6 tens (laughs) 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 Thomas what do you think of Fantastic Four personally because I am big with comic books and stuff like that I felt like they tried to change a lot of the aspects of like the Fantastic Four and like the dynamic of the team and stuff I felt like the relationship between Ben Grimm and uh, Reed Richards was tainted in a way because like there was no reconnection mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. film like they started off like as best friends and stuff but then eventually they got in a fight because he got changed into the thing 
Yeah. But near the end, there was no reconnection, establishing yeah, yeah. the relationship between them. Yeah, none of the plot threads that they like establish in the first half of the movie ever come to like fruition. Yeah. They like yeah, uh, Reed and Ben are kind of at a distance and they're separate, but they learn to punch Doctor Doom because it's work together. Time. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's God. a weird thing uh, to connect. <laughs> uh, sibling abuse. <laughs> Beco- becomes his ultimate power. <laughs> I don't get it. Anyway, I think it was just at that moment we're just like, I gotta, I gotta say something. Cool, yeah. guys. Something. I'm cool. gonna save the day, and I need to think of something. You gotta say something. They yeah. didn't show the other part to that scene where he just where they all look at him. They're like covering time. He's like, guys, that has nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> this exactly. is what the script gave me. Is that what your brother said when he beat you? <laughs> I'm reclaiming it. Um, yeah, like you were talking about their dynamic. I know they're supposed. To, I'm like not that familiar with the Fantastic Four. Like Neither I might be honest, but I know that the relationship between it's Reed more Richards familial. And yeah, it's supposed to. Be, I know. I know. Well, for, for one, the team, it's supposed to be more familial. But in this, I didn't get that aspect here. This one also is uh, takes more influence, like every like a lot of other movies right now from the Ultimate Universe. I knew that much about how with the Ultimate, it, it was a darker uh, story that they were telling. It was also uh, for younger... The, the team was younger when they got their powers. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of got some of it. I was okay with some of the relationships. I was... What I... I guess my only... Not gripe about that, but my only concern is that when you start changing... Like, it's fine if you start changing the surface details as long as you stay true to the heart of the character, Right. Like, how much can you change before you just start... It's not the same character anymore. Exactly. Like, with Man of Steel... Uh, I, I bring this one up a lot, too, I realize. But it's just such a clear example of when you change so much of a character, he's no longer that character, right? Superman's supposed to be this ideal, this heroic ideal. And then that movie just totally strips it away so that he's this human learning to be super. And it's like, that's not Superman. We're the, we're the, the humans that are supposed to look to him mm-hmm. as an example. On the plus side, the new Batman v Superman looks like it's gonna try and try course it. correct. Uh, you yeah. can't course correct murder. <laughs> well, we have a whole legal system built around making well, sure that court, doesn't happen. There's a court scene apparently, so maybe that's their course correct. Okay. I don't know. Uh, anyway, um, the thing. Okay, this is. I usually don't like, again. I don't like getting into like these surface detail criticisms because they're kind of lame and I like to get into the heart of why something doesn't work. But I, we touched on like why Fantastic Four doesn't work is because it's saying one story and then it totally abandons it and none of the none of the drama is ever fully realized. Yeah. But one surface level detail that I really want to gripe about just here is Doctor Doom's design because Doctor Doom is one of my absolute favorite character designs. He goofy in this movie. Yeah. Like. Hella goofy <laughs> is the perfect way to put it. <laughs> I wasn't. I just so saw him and he looked dumb as shit. Like, yeah. what, were they, what were they even thinking? It Who designed him? They awful. Were trying to base it in the realism of the scene, and I don't know. But I, what? That was a hit and miss. It's all like sure. <laughs> that was the whole movie. <laughs> that wasn't a hit. That was the guy falling asleep and missing the whole fucking ball game. <laughs> that. I don't see if I can understand you want to do your realism bit, but I don't see what's so unrealistic about a guy who puts on a suit because he's so like damaged, right? And just even and even the whole realism thing, 
we're talking superheroes for one. You got a guy who's made of rocks. <laughs> Two, what's so realistic about this guy's suit fusing to him and he become his becoming a telekinetic steel right. he green learns, monster? He learns how to blow people up yeah. in a place where he has nobody else with him. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I didn't pick up on that. How do you? How did, did he, he just learn learn, when he blew that first guy's head off? He's like, "Oh, geez, well, I can do well, this." No, because he, he killed everybody else in the room, but he left uh, whatever the other dude. I don't know his name. I don't care for his name. Uh, the <laughs> guy that was in, I think, the Incredible Hulk. I think it was in that. Uh, Edward Norton. <laughs> no, Edward Norton's not in the movie. <laughs> That's the only one I remember. <laughs> he was like the, the the leader or something. He was gonna become the leader anyway. Oh, oh shit! Yeah, what's Peter Sarsgaard? Sorry, no, no. Nope. You're thinking the... No, yeah, I'm thinking something The else. scientist from Thor. Yeah. No. That's... Fuck, there's so many scars guards that I'm like... Alexander's the, 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 the younger one. Peter's is him. And anyway. Then there's Stellan. Anyway. There's Stellan scars Who cares? <laughs> anyway. Um, We're diverging because there's not much to talk about it's, here. It's weird because there's... Because with the whole Dark Knight trilogy, obviously everybody's like, "Oh, we gotta go serious and dark and gritty." But at the same time, like you said, like it, it worked for uh, the Dark Knight trilogy because of how Nolan took care of it. But it doesn't work when also you are going to different places. Point to it. Yeah, uh... to different universes. <laughs> like it's not. It's like we, I can believe some of it, but we. I think it works as long as you're making a point of it. 19-year-olds that don't even look 19 are going to make this thing. <laughs> I think what I, mean, I... I don't think I don't think Victor Von Doom was actually... I think... How old was he in that movie? They never say. Oh, yeah, he looks like he might be like 25. Probably like mid-20s. That's yeah. yeah, but I, like, I'm like... There was part of it. I'm like, are, is he supposed to be as old as this? <laughs> how, how... The only person I know their age is Ben and Reed. And they're the only ones. And they're supposed to be 18... Yeah. The thing with the gritty the gritty uh aspect of it is that I thought there's a very the line in like the very first scene where he's in the classroom that I thought was gonna address the gritty aspect because he says uh this the real world is it's about the real world, not magic. Right? Mm-hmm. And so I thought the movie was gonna build to this point of like almost as commentary on our tendencies toward gritty realism and saying no we can have magic in our world right so like it's not saying that at all no but it's not it's yeah because again <laughs> it doesn't even go there and i'm like so i was interested when i first heard it. i'm like oh maybe he's gonna comment on this at all nope. never brought up again See, which makes me question the whole point of that scene um Ben seeing the book. That was it. That was the only importance just of the scene. Just to read is smart. Which is but what, stupid because there are some scenes in this movie that, I don't know about you guys, but to me felt were cut way too short. And and that scene just goes on longer than it needs to. Um, this is probably a good spot because you, you know all this. Let's get into yeah. the history of what happened here. Okay. Um, these are all, these are a lot of the rumors and and stuff that have been floating around the internet whoever's listening to this has probably read some of it as well except, uh, except you and myself okay. um, but basically Andres is the only nerd here it's, <laughs> it's, it, it was just a fucking train wreck on set uh, and Josh Trank apparently came to direct shit faced apparently he trashed some hotel room or some place that he was staying uh, 
and Fox was not happy with it, but this was all bad news that was coming out towards uh, Trank and what he was doing on set. Yeah. Trank then went on an interview when he first talked about uh, sort of the look or, or feel that he, or tone that he wanted for the movie, which I'll mention after. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he, they, when the interviewer asked him, like, what does he think about the story and stuff like that, he just kind of turned back and he's just like, look, I was on set every day. I did my job. We were on time. We were on schedule. Uh, I think they, I believe they were on budget for whatever big budget they had, but they were on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so he did his job. Now there's all these new rumors and new reports that are coming out saying how Fox interfered, and it's more than the usual production notes where they're like, maybe you should try this out. Like mm-hmm. apparently, when when Trank and them sat down to make the movie and for pre-production, there was four action pieces. Four big action pieces. Yeah. Before they started filming, Fox said, "We're taking three of them out. You're only doing one." Which well, that no almost sounds counter to how they usually do it. Yeah, which doesn't make sense. And whatever that one was was the whatever the hell you want to call the final act. <laughs> I don't know what that was. All I saw was blue. <laughs> it was just <laughs> That's like all I it just happens, and I'm like, great. Um, then on top of that. While they were editing it, it was supposed to have a longer runtime. It much. It uh, feels like it. It should have been a longer movie. At least hit that two. Even though mark. I was tapping out at like whatever, <laughs> what felt like the second hour <laughs> oh, to no. me. Oh, <laughs> it um, felt like, ironically. I feel like if it were longer, I would have enjoyed it more. Uh. So what ended up? Somebody they kicked Trank out of the editing bay. Oh God. And they edited. They brought like some new editor and did it, did it themselves. So they essentially took the movie away from them. Yeah, and there were some people who were doing CGI work who had done it and they were working on it and they were halfway done. And then they took those people out, brought other cheaper people, and didn't get their CGI work done. Oh, so God. some of that is not fully finished rendered CGI in the movie. So there's all these different reports, and it's just like no one, no one's ever gonna know. Who's really it wrong? There, it's yeah. a mix at both. Um, this would be a fascinating book if someone ever like actually yeah, writes what happened and it's behind really, it. Really, and it's just like really the the stupid thing is I first I love what Trank did with Chronicle. I love Chronicle. Um, I still haven't seen it. Uh, Have you seen those? Yeah, that's a good. Movie. Is it really? Yeah, yeah it, it, it's a very interesting, good found footage film, and there's not that many of them. This one, Dane DeHaan, right? Yeah, yeah. And Michael I like B. Dane Jordan. DeHaan. Really? Yeah. yeah when well, that's that's how Trank got hold of him oh. for uh, Johnny Storm, but also, but a few, like I think a day or two before the movie was even released to the critics for <laughs> screenings because they weren't allowed to. I think they didn't have screenings so like two days before it came out and the embargo was the day before. Yeah. But uh, Trank tweeted saying, "I can't remember the the words precisely, and I'm and I should have looked this up, but I'm stupid." Uh, but he basically said that the movie in the theaters is not his version, and his version would have been fantastic. Oh, you didn't say it was like two he, years ago. There was a, a version yeah, a year of this ago, movie that there, was fantastic, or yeah, something like that. And he and he's like, but "You guys are never going to see it. That's reality, though." And it's stupid of him to have said that. Yeah, I don't think Josh Shank's ever going to work again. <laughs> uh, I really hope so because I really like Chronicle. Um, there are some good things that I think this movie had like started to do. The fact that. 
something that I was always an advocate of for this movie was I was okay with the fact that Michael B. Jordan was casted as Johnny Storm. Well, of course, if you're not okay with that, you're just racist. So was I. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, I was excited. It was. It, it's kind of like uh, what I was excited about actually is after they announced that. Yeah, fine, that's cool. What was really cool is that they established that Susan was the yeah. adopted one. Everyone was because like, everyone's like, "Oh, he's the black guy, so he was adopted." And then he no, was, you fucking awful people! <laughs> <laughs> but then on top of that, they even tried to do something with the dynamics of that relationship yeah. by making the fact that the adoptive kid is the favorite, and you yeah. can see that because there's the one scene when uh, when his when what's what's her dad's name? Franklin? Franklin Baxter? Franklin, so. or Storm? Franklin Storm? Storm? Yeah, that's yeah, <laughs> where he works. That makes sense. Uh, so when he goes and picks them up at the hospital, and they get into the car, and you see there's that little moment between them where it's like, "I'm not going to work with you. Uh, yeah. Don't you have Sue there for that, or something like that?" Because he's off doing his own thing. Who is supposed to be a good engineer who can make stuff, but his first introduction is a car that blows up. <laughs> I didn't even notice that either. Come on. <laughs> I told you I was tapping out like it's just, I don't know that's why there's like there's some parts and then later on it was really like here's the way movie working movie watching <laughs> usually works for me if it's really slow yeah I'll you know I'm, I'm human I'll get a little bored or whatever but as long as it ultimately builds to a, like I'm always paying attention but as long as it ultimately builds to a point then usually I'll like really love it like 2001 right oh god I'm sorry <laughs> It's your fault. You brought it up earlier. <laughs> anyway, then it recontextualizes everything that happened before, and I can appreciate it, right? And then I'll watch it a second time, and I'll love it kind of yeah. thing, right? And that's why I say this movie probably will work a little better. I don't think it'll be good, but it'll work a little better on the second time I watch it, whenever the hell that's going to be. That's why probably like, never, but you know. We saw it Friday night. Yeah. Thomas saw it last Saturday night. night. So last night. Uh, and he invited me to go see with him, and there was a huge part of me where I was just like, I don't... I'm like, I don't know if I want to watch it again so soon because on one hand, I might end up being, that might make me come on to the show now and just like, I'm the only one really trying to defend it right now. Yeah, yeah. Not much, but like. This is the first movie I think we've agreed is not good. Yeah. And that was the thing was there was, I, I saw two opportunities here. I was just like, either I'm going to defend it a bit or I was just going to end up hating it more yeah. and just ripping it to shreds. <laughs> Jeez. And, uh. I'm okay with how I am now for it. Just kinda, but, uh, yeah. I, mean, I still like it better than Jurassic World, but that's a whole different conversation. I don't know. I think I like Jurassic, Jurassic World. World. The thing I with like Jurassic, Jurassic World, World is that it works better as a movie, but it's, again, it's saying like, oh, yeah. hateful, awful things. It hates you. The movie hates you. <laughs> am I the only one who thought that once they went back to Planet Zero, the acting just got 300 times worse? Um, I felt like the whole thing was flat from beginning yeah. to end. So I, I'd from never the noticed. Beginning, it was yeah. never, never I, really set off. I mean, it was. It's never like they're all great actors. I'm a huge yeah. Fan I'm of not the questioning cast. It's pro. I would just say whatever production business was yeah. happening behind the scenes, I think may have been affecting their performances. Because yeah, not, I don't think anyone comes out of this movie looking particularly good. The only ones maybe the dad. Yeah, maybe, but he's just kind of like yeah. uh, speech giving, you know. Yeah, the whole time that's his that's his character trait. Gives speeches. He did it well, at least. yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, he does I love, it well. He has a great voice. I, I love what Kevl did with with Koba 
in, in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Oh, is he Koa? Yeah. yeah okay. Which is kind of the reason why he had that. I know him from other stuff, but he's like one of those, I think he he's one of those that Lola. guys. Like, yeah. you'll see him in a movie, like, oh, that guy. And that's why a lot, there was a lot of talk uh, last year with him doing Koba, and they're just like, because he was the first person other than Andy Serkis to kind of like blow it out of the park with this mocap stuff yeah. that uh, that they realized that not only is he going to be a, like, Kevin's going to be a great actor, but he's also, that it's also not just for circus. Because yeah. it's always just been a circus conversation. Right? That's true. Anyway, so what's the final word on Fantastic Four? Unless you have something else to say, Andres. I do. Why was Sue not on the other planet? Oh, yeah. How have we not gotten into this? Why, why did she... That's true. Like, this is talking about, like, okay, this is clearly a Trank mistake. Because this is fun. No matter who took the film away from him, this is how it was filmed. That Sue is n- not part of the team that goes onto the planet. So she only gets her powers tangentially. And her whole character feels tangential to the story to me. But it's very kind of almost accidentally sexist in the way that she's not allowed to, you know, join in the fun. <laughs> I don't know. But also, um,. When Reed gets back to the camp and he sees Johnny for the first time and they hug. Okay. Sorry, what? When Reed comes back to the camp and, and, jo- and Johnny Sora sees him for the first time and he's like, hey man, glad to see you're okay. And they just like, they look at each other for a second. And I was thought they were going to give a handshake or something or that awkward uh, handshake fist bump thing that they did <laughs> earlier, which I did like. Why don't was- I remember this scene at all? I don't remember what scene it was exactly, but all I know is that like they saw each other. It was and... when they were testing the whatever the fuck it is to go to Planet Zero. Oh yeah, they were they were testing it. And then Johnny Storm walks into the room. When they when they were testing the second new uh, <laughs> teleporter thing. You were oh probably my. gone at that point. Yeah, I yeah. was I guess I was gone. Either was either gone either way. Uh, I was just thinking about the poutine I ate <laughs> earlier. <laughs> either way, he just he just straight up hugged him and I was like, This doesn't this Feel doesn't right? make sense. It was like barely know each other you guys yeah. didn't even understand if you should fist bump or a handshake <laughs> that's true um, <laughs> yeah that's the thing we're, the characters I feel never had enough time to kind of work together I guess to gestate as a team to gestate so that when they come together as a team it makes sense because what it, ultimately what it feels like in the movie we have is that these four guys just realize okay we we're gotta. Stuck. We're stuck. We gotta work together to fight this weird, not Doctor Doom. <laughs> <laughs> and then, when they all of a sudden decide to just be a team at the end, like they have their own facility, I just it doesn't ring true. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, there, there's like the moment. Uh, By the way, I wish they at least stuck with the building with the big four on the top. That would have been. There, that would have been fun. There's also the moment, like right at the very end, when. Uh, when Ben and Johnny are talking and they're like about to have like this like friendly little fight sort of thing and it's just like that's not earned that's not real <laughs> what are you doing I saw I remember I, I watched uh, That Awkward Moment which had uh, Zac Efron Michael B. Jordan and Miles Teller mm-hmm. and it was fine it was doable yeah. it was, but at the end of it the reason why it was fun and watchable was because it was uh, these three friends essentially and you can feel the chemistry with that yeah. and even though Miles Teller and Michael B. Jordan worked together on that they had more chemistry in that movie than, than they did in this yeah, which 
should be the opposite. Actually, which reminds me of something about the ending that is a tendency I'm seeing in a lot of movies that just annoys me, is the not owning up to the silliness of your source material, where it cuts off when he's about to say the name, like, oh, I got it, we should be the... And then they cut to the title of Fantastic Four, right? But he never says it because it's silly to say. But it's just the frustrating thing. Like, this is a comic book movie. Embrace the fact that this came from the stupid, silly minds from this 19... Not stupid, this, that's mean. But the silly minds of the 1960s or 19, even earlier. And they were just having fun. Story. This is for kids. It was yeah. for kids. It doesn't. It's not a shameful thing to be a kid's movie. You know what I mean? See, uh, no one's making movies for kids anymore. It's a larger issue. By the way, something I wanted to talk about, but I completely blanked until now. The thing that Crank had wanted to go for this film was he wanted it to be a body horror film. He was inspired by uh, people like Cronenberg, one of my favorites, uh, us, and trying to represent. <laughs> so he was like, and, and stuff like the thing, and it was just like all these, all these other things. And he was more interested in the fact of what would you do if you woke up. And you were the thing. If you were on fire, if yeah. you were invisible, if you were... Uh... There reminds me, actually, there's one really shot that I really liked where it's... You see... Just right, one, after, right? right after they came back from the other planet and you just see Michael B. Jordan on fire. Yeah. And I'm like, damn! <laughs> that looks awful. There, there were moments where it's like when it tries to be that horror film and uh, for some reason uh, Doom is walking around... This, the hallways and everybody's just dying. I, yeah. I turned to you and I said it reminded me of Lucy. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, is a movie. I, actually, never mind. Keep going. <laughs> uh, I've not seen Lucy, but uh, like it. But the way the lights just kept turning on and off. It. Yeah. If they had a different soundtrack, it, it to me it would have seemed like something out of a horror film. Exactly. So there were like some. This is why I'm saying I defend some of it because like I did like. Oh, because there's it. interesting ideas there. That's what. All, what I was trying to say earlier is that if Trank got to make his movie, it may not have been good, but it would have at least been interesting, right? Some of those ideas would have been realized. Uh, yeah. I'll say the one last thing I've been saying, as like I've been using a metaphor uh, before we transition to the question. Uh, the way I saw it was that it's like he was flying the plane, and then once we hit the final mm-hmm. act, he's like, this is good enough, so he just sets on just, autopilot, grabs a parachute, up. and jumps out. But then he wasn't around to see it actually crash and burn. Because <laughs> yeah. it crashed and burned and then some. Thomas, I want you to think of a metaphor while I give mine then. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had a thought that it was more of a shart. Where you're pretty confident for two-thirds of the event. You think you know what it is. And so you're, go- you're going along with it. And then you find out you shit your pants. <laughs> You got a metaphor? I just thought it was a train wreck. <laughs> <laughs> Keep that it nice and simple, man. That's true. That's uh, how you should do it. So don't overcomplicate things. So I guess we'll, we'll go to our Anyway, our question of the day. Ring that clip. Jumping jackrabbits. Who are they? I don't know. Hit the deck. Looks like it's clobbering time, Johnny boy. You're right, Ben. Flame on! Question of the day is, uh, what is a fantastic flop that you feel needs more love? Andres, let's start with you. Are we explaining it and then going on to the next person, too, or are we just... No, we'll just... Or just you. Your movie. Just talk about it. I want to go into it. Fall. 
Okay, you already got me there because I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, it's the fall. I'm looking it up for these guys to see. <laughs> is it smaller it's not movie? even the first fucking response. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. Is that how badly it's not a good No. Okay. I thought you were going to pick something like people know. <laughs> some people are aware of it. Spider-Man 3 or some shit. All right, so The Fall came out in 2006. Uh, directed by Tarsum Singh, who had done. Oh yeah, this movie you're talking about. Yeah, okay. who who I think also, who also directed The Cell, and Immortals. Uh, Immortals. This year came out with Selfless. Very interesting visual. Yeah, visually he's uh, outstanding. Um, but according, I had just recently found out because this was a movie I saw I think a few uh, a year or so back, and I love it. And visually, I think it's stunning. I think it was shot across like. Across 26 countries over four years or something and every shot is like a painting and it's breathtaking mm-hmm. there's one shot sorry not to cut you off but there's one shot in Immortals that I adore like the movie's okay yeah. I would say it's okay but there's one shot where I think it's the gods are fighting with uh, fuck whatever the other things are I don't, I don't remember the details are hazy because I saw this years ago but it's just like an old Greek mural where there's no Ground, it's just all sky, and they're all just kind of there. And there's the perspective is weird because you you're seeing some people from the bottom, you're seeing mm-hmm. some people straight on, and it's just it's a beautiful shot. He does. I'm gonna look it up I'm for you. Kind of. One reason why I'm interested to see selfless is because of that. But then I've also seen clips at work, and it's like it doesn't look like it stands up to. It looks like he's just doing, you know, like maybe he was just doing journeyman work, right? They called yeah. him in. We need a director. Let's just do it. Um. It's not like his project. I'm checking here on Rotten Tomatoes, and The Fall has a 59% on it, and I know like we, we had this conversation earlier, yeah. but to me, I thought I was not expecting that low. I thought it was more loved, but I don't know. It's it's an interesting thing that kind of plays with the main the protagonist's uh, understanding of like life because yeah. it's, it, it's a child. So it's like this, something that I do like in movies sometimes where... They kind of hint at some things, and the, as an audience, you are aware of the whole situation, but you realize that the character doesn't really know what's going on, mm-hmm. and she has her own understanding of the things, and it's not exactly the right thing, but it, it makes it more interesting and nicer. Hey, sorry, did you say it was a, the narrator, didn't it? The protagonist is a mm-hmm. little girl. Okay. There's no narrator. No, sorry, I was no. getting into this whole other thing, but... um. I'm thinking maybe I should probably try to find it then, maybe for a couple episodes from now, because I don't think I'll have it by next week, but I'll try to watch it. I did it on Blu-ray if you want to borrow it. Yeah, okay, oh yeah, we'll, I'll borrow it, because I need a movie for this week. <laughs> so, for later on in the episode, when you ask what's in my film queue, <laughs> remind me. <laughs> Thomas, did you have a movie you wanted to? Well, I don't know if it's a flaw, necessarily. Yeah, I had this conversation we, we, with him, but I was just like, like, yeah, was like, like, you know what, go with it. Just he, was, with it. he was telling me that, it's, uh, that he's not sure... And I didn't want to know because I want to react yeah. when you say it. It's not necessarily it. a flaw, <laughs> but I would definitely feel like it's underappreciated for how good of a film it actually is. It, and it the works. film is Wally. Oh, yeah. The, you're talking about everything after the amazing first half hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. But I definitely feel like if you were talking about like the best Pixar films, it's definitely not one that comes up in conversation. Yeah, most people say uh, Inside Out now. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. It's definitely overlooked for how good it actually is, and like Mm -hmm. the social problems it like tackles, and like 
technological advances that it talks about and like yeah. just so- social issues that like are so huge yeah and, like yeah like overconsumption film. yeah yeah it's it definitely does definitely 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 does <laughs> what uh a lot of Pixar I don't know what the hell that was uh <laughs> Pixar movies do where it's yes it's geared towards children yeah but it's dealing with very real adult issues like for sure in Wally I think it's it's been a while but overconsumption mm-hmm. uh our tendency towards uh laziness I guess yeah uh and I know there was a whole up, uproar from more uh, overweight individuals. I don't know what the hell I would say there. <laughs> but they were saying that it was fat shaming, right? Yeah. But I, I wouldn't say it was fat shaming. It's more like just it was more saying, throwing it out and be like, this is a reality. Yeah, this is actually I, happening. It's, I think it was – maybe it's lazy shorthand, but it was really just saying that this is a problem indicative of everyone in society, that we're all – looking for easy ways out we're all consuming way too much and we're all living sedentary lifestyles because i'm not that like i mean i have a little bit of a belly but i mean i'm like <laughs> not that big right but i admit that i live very much a sedentary lifestyle i watch movies that's sitting on the couch watching movies i play games on my computer and that's just sitting in a chair so i understand that this is a problem that's uh indicative of entire our entire society and maybe just the using overweight people is a lazy shorthand, but at the same time, those are the consequences yeah. of mm-hmm. a, a sedentary lifestyle. Oh damn! <laughs> uh, the, no, I like no, I like that choice though because I think you're right. Everyone when they talk about Wally, just talks about the fact that Pixar did amazing on the whole yeah. silent movie essentially yeah. for the first half hour, but they don't really tackle what the movie is trying to exactly. do right it's almost a disservice like to the film yeah no it's, it's why i kind of mentioned to you when we're watching uh before fantastic four i was like it's 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 a movie in the pixar canon where it's just like if somebody came up to me it was just like oh you know it's it's high up on my list of things i'm like i get that that makes sense but if someone also came up to me it was just like it's low it's kind of low on my list it's yeah. not that low but it's, it's not cars too yeah. low but it's low yeah. and i'm like <laughs> and i'm like oh, all right i get that too yeah when he said it was a pixar movie i'm like cars yeah. it's probably gonna be cars <laughs> like no no one one? likes cars <laughs> the first one i've seen it first of all it's not that bad, bad it's just bad. it's really good it's just it's not it's not it's it's good it's just good. yeah it's the problem it's, what, it's crappy because it's, it's like it has the problem of, just like if it's if it was dreamworks it's yeah like, oh, like, oh dreamworks right? <laughs> yeah. but because it's pixar just like oh, it's fine yeah <laughs> i'm falling into that trap too i will admit i have my flaws <laughs> uh because we wanted to tie this into fan Four fantastic flops or whatever tie it into the Fantastic Four. I have two to talk about. We're supposed to have another guest, but uh, uh, yeah, they dropped out. She was working. She was the one who also was supposed to join us for Spider Man. Yeah, 3. betrayed me. <laughs> I was supposed to have a teammate. She has a very busy schedule. <laughs> She'll be here eventually. eventually. Yeah. She, Jesus, so she's in demand. Uh, it's just work. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I think all of. Fucking all of our guests have been like your friends. <laughs> I've, I've told you to bring somebody or ask somebody. I have no friends. <laughs> Bro, keep bringing I'll, back I'll, next I'll, week. We'll have somebody. <laughs> I'll have my dad. <laughs> um, first movie, Speed Racer. I mentioned the Wachowskis earlier, but we're going to talk Speed Racer. Just because I feel... Actually, this ties into something I said earlier where people aren't making kids movies anymore. And what mm-hmm. I mean by that is because... The first thing you react is like, well, they made minions and shit. I'm like, I mean, kid, kids' movies that 
don't talk down to kids, mm-hmm. right? And what Speed Racer does is totally trust that children will have the capacity to understand all the fucking information they send at you. Every single second of that movie is filled with so much information. And it's edited in this way that you'll have almost three different scenes overplaying each other. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's this constant... I think Devin Faraci called it a tapestry. And that's exactly what it is, right? It's just this one long strip of film that you're just watching unreal in front of you. And that is fucking revolutionary, but no one pays attention to it because it's so loud and garish and colorful and people just see that surface detail and think, oh, it's stupid, it's childish, it's noisy, it's whatever. But they ignore, like, the same thing with Wally, right? They see this uh, one thing, they pay attention to that, and they forget to under to look underneath it all and what they miss is that Speed Racer is such a beautiful story about learning to become who you're always destined to be right and which ties beautifully with the Wachowski's thematics because uh, Lana Wachowski uh, very, of course it, that sort of theme would resonate with her because she, she used to be Larry Wachowski but then she transitioned into Lana mm-hmm. and so she became who she always felt she was and so with Speed Racer you have Speed uh, who, who he knows he's you know he's a great racer, but something's holding him back. He has all these doubts, and uh, everyone's just supporting him, which is another great thing. There's no character uh, other than the primary antagonist who's like holding him back or uh, not believing them. Everyone's there like to support him, right? And that's beautiful. And so ultimately, the movie culminates him with just giving this amazing race and becoming who he always was, speed racer, and that's. Uh, if it, if they hadn't made Cloud Atlas a couple, few years later, then Speed Racer would be the ultimate Wachowski film, even more than The Matrix. I remember Matrix I, is more important, but Speed Racer I think is their best film. I remember seeing Speed Racer in the theater, and I had gone with friends, and none of them. I'm not a fan of the TV show. Oh, me neither. It's like I never got into it. But not I was, big into anime. I was, I was familiar with it. I had yeah. seen an episode or two. I understood the style and, and yeah. what it was supposed to it's be. Really, like. It's just a little dated. This, yeah. Um, but none of my friends did. Mm-hmm. So we just kind of we all kind of went in almost blindly. I was yeah. the only one who had a little knowledge of it. None of my friends liked it. I knew that. Uh, I remember liking it. I don't remember thinking that highly of it but this was also what 2008 mm-hmm. yeah I had for me at that point it was just like movies are movies like they're, they're, yeah. that's it. admittedly if I had seen it when it came out too I probably yeah. would have not liked it either it I came to it late so so uh, Thomas you've, you've never seen it have you? I've never seen Speed uh, put it in your film <laughs> <laughs> it looks interesting uh, it was good but then at the end I like, walked out and everyone was like I didn't like it they're like did you like it and I was like yeah I thought it I was like, I liked it. It mm-hmm. was uh, a good enough adaptation. I'm not familiar with this, with like Soros. I was like, it looks like it was a good adaptation for the show. And they're like, there's a show. And I was like, yeah. yeah. And they're like, how do you not know oh, the show exists even? I it's a weird show. I'm just not going to watch it. <laughs> we're like 15. Yeah. <laughs> we're stupid. And they're like, they're like, they're like, oh, if it was the case, I would have watched the show and see if it was worth like watching a movie. And I was like, why didn't. It's like, we made plans to watch this thing like a month ago. <laughs> <laughs> what were we waiting for? Yeah, Jesus Christ. Um, I would say, Andres, uh, I'll, let it, I'll lend it to you and you should watch it. Cause I think it's on Netflix. I think it is on Netflix. I think you'll appreciate it more this time. Probably. I'll Just, probably like Again, watch it for what it does. I'll probably be visually. like wide-eyed. So. The thing with 
um, Speed Racer. It also does what Up did later, like early. It did what Up did essentially before Up, where it establishes a very strong emotional uh, thorough line early on in the movie, and then it culminates with the final race, which is one of the most emotional moments in a movie for me because it's so powerful, so well done, and it's so kaleidoscopic. It's uh, it's beautiful. I love movies that use color, right? And this movie uses every fucking color in the spectrum, and it's beautiful. I think just put it back on. You should watch it. You're doing anything with it? And my second movie to talk about. Uh, Babe? Speak what? Babe? No, uh, I defended Babe enough. I think Babe can hold up on its own. Babe, Pig in the City. Have you seen it? Thomas? Yeah, of course. Who hasn't seen Babe? And do you like it? I liked it. No, I'm putting my hand up because I haven't seen it. I'm giving you a high five. That was the worst high five I've ever seen. I thought you were for a high five. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Dude, you realize no one can see you, right? <laughs> this I is an audio show. I was going to say that. I was going to say I just put my hand up. You were talking. I didn't want to interrupt you. <laughs> Babe Pig and City can stand on its own. <laughs> My other movie is Lucy, because you mentioned it, and I just watched it recently, and everyone was shitting on that movie, mainly because the whole premise is that it's based on pseudoscience, the whole we only use 10% of our brain, which isn't true, Um, and it's basically the premise is that Lucy gets the ability to use more than 10% of her brain, and she gets all these powers and shit, right? And it's dumb, it's fucking stupid, and it's not based on anything true. Sorry, I shouldn't say true, because it's not based on anything real, but it's not any dumber than any other superhero origin story, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. you have going into another dimension and getting hit by green shit, (laughs) (laughs) or fucking getting bit by a radioactive spider, or being Canadian and Hugh Jackman. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever Wolverine's thing is. That's Um, that's it, it's just Canadian and... uh, Those are his two in the, defining in the traits. first issue in his first appearance. Uh, me and Thomas will attest to this. Yeah. Uh, they were like, "How did you happen?" It's just like, uh, <laughs> "How did you happen?" Canada and Hugh Jackman, who won't be born for a few years, but uh, exactly, remember? he was born. He was born. Was he? Probably. Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think he's that old. We'll get let's back. look. Let's look at it. Let's do it. Leave that awkward silence. In. <laughs> How old is Hugh Jackman in the first appearance of Wolverine? I'm pretty sure Wolverine appeared in like the 60s. I oh, fuck, where's my so. phone? I would look it up too. Yeah. If not the 70s even. Because wasn't Danny Issue in the first Hulk? Yeah, he was in the Hulk. Hulk. Yeah. I have this yeah. comic too. Like. Who are you looking at first? Uh, Wolverine's first appearance. Hugh Jackman was born in 68. 68, okay. Uh, okay. 74. Okay, fine. Uh, he was ah! six years old. He was six years old, okay? Jeffrey knows his shit. Jeffrey knows his shit. <laughs> Hugh Jackman was buying comics, read it, and was just like, what the hell? I know my destiny. Back yeah. to Speed Racer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, back to Lucy. Back to Lucy. <laughs> I meant, like, back to, like, the theme of Speed Racer. What? Oh, becoming... Oh, yeah. Becoming who you're always meant to be. By the way, is he, he's... It gonna be Wolverine last time in Apocalypse? Yes. Oh, one more. One, one more after that? He as of right now, he's not I'm putting quotations. He's not in Apocalypse. Oh, well he's totally stupid, yeah. He's 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 gonna have a cameo just like he did in first class. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but but then there's gonna be a, a third Wolverine film. 
They're gonna bury him in those fucking claws. <laughs> um, I love that he. So they're gonna dig he, for him. <laughs> I love forever. that. I love that he give, gives a shit about the character though. That he's done it for so long. Yeah, he definitely deserves a uh, credit for that. He is the perfect. He's Wolverine. He's beautiful. Anyway, I Lucy. Know he's taller or whatever. <laughs> Lucy's a dumb fucking movie, and it makes some really dumb fucking choices. <laughs> But it works. It's a dumb, fun little superhero movie where if you just accept the silly premise, you'll have fun. It's there's some nice visuals. There's again, there's nice color, and ultimately, I think it not ultimately, but it says some really cool things. Where uh, Lucy is almost losing her humanity because she's getting all this information, which I think ties in nicely with life in the modern world, where we have all this information readily available to us. That it just makes it. Just searched up. Yeah, exactly. Like we just demonstrated, that it's so hard to like just connect with people like beside you kind of thing because there's all this blockage, all this noise, right? And so I thought it's not about that. Don't get me wrong; it's not that fucking nuanced. (laughs) (laughs) Who directed it? Uh, Luc Besson. Okay. Um, I I like I said I haven't seen it, so Mm -hmm. I'm not entirely sure. But I pretty I read reviews and like them talking about how there's like. In the opening, there's like all these footage of them cutting back. Oh, forth. it's the stupidest fucking thing. And where it just drops. Yeah, they just never do it again. But I like. So for Thomas, who doesn't so know. Yeah, let me describe what's going on. Lucy is essentially being led into a trap, and to demonstrate this, he cuts to a mouse smelling cheese in a mouse trap. Okay. And then, as the bad guys loom closer, he cuts to a jaguar chasing down a gazelle. So it's this hyper literal. Uh, visualization of what's happening anyways and it's really dumb and stupid I was okay with it (laughs) because I mean at least it's stupid but it's interesting in a way I just laugh at the fact that it's just like and then and then it never does it it just goes away but I mean the the visuals stay interesting so it's okay I didn't you don't feel it as much I feel just because there's always something cool going on with the visuals but um Anyway, the one problem I had with it is that it gets into a little muddy, maybe problematic uh, issue near the end where Lucy, who's this, essentially the greatest human being who ever lived, her ultimate purpose is essentially to reproduce. Not literally, like, she's not, they're not saying have a baby, but it's essentially, thematically, that's what it is, because she's supposed to pass on her knowledge, right? And they use the word reproduce. And so... The greatest human being of all time is a woman. Is her only function is to basically reproduce. Yeah, it's it's awful. <laughs> she's she's so much more than that, and that's what they reduce it down to. Anyway, I think that sums up about this episode. Unless you have something more to add, Andres. I don't think so. Thomas, do you have any? Not really. Final comments. All right. Okay. One second. <laughs> Anyway, um, ready? Oh, you never stopped? No, I never stopped. Yeah, the whole conversation on there? <laughs> yeah. It's easier. <laughs> okay. I can cut it out instead of this. All right. Uh, Andres, where can we find you? Uh, everything is just Pocket Writer, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd. All right, Pocket Writer. That covers everything that matters. Thomas, where can we find you? You can just find me on Facebook, just Thomas Lovell, or my Instagram, underscore Thomas L. 
That cool. is right. <laughs> I have to look that up myself because I didn't remember, but you did. So yeah, exactly. You. Thank you for that. You can find me on Instagram at Jeffrey underscore Pedanera. I have it memorized now. Don't worry. Okay. Uh, on Twitter at Jeff underscore Ped. And on Letterboxd as just Jeff Ped. There you go. It only took 30 episodes. <laughs> but you uh, made it. Yeah, well, I made it. Thank you, Mom. <laughs> Dad. Uh, next week. What's, what are we talking about next week? Straight out of Compton? Straight out of Compton. Crazy motherfucker named Ice Cube. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we don't have a question yet, I think. We'll figure something we'll out. We'll figure something we'll, out. We'll, there's probably going to be a yeah, We'll post something on the Facebook, by the way. I never plug the Facebook. Check our Film Queue Facebook on and iTunes. All that. All the Twitter, yeah. And iTunes. Yeah. All that. SoundCloud. All that good stuff. I don't know where you're listening. You're <laughs> Wherever you're listening, like it, subscribe it, fucking comment if you want. Please comment. <laughs> I want to talk with our fan. <laughs> um, um. Until then, I guess. Wait. wait. Oh, almost. Thomas. Oh yeah. Fuck. Our namesake of the show. Yeah. What's in your film queue? Oh. Uh. I know this week I'll be watching a couple of Tom Hardy films, Locke Ooh. and The Drop. One of my oh, favorite men. Locke is really great. Oh, and Locke then, is really good. Yeah. yeah I. Drop's I've been good, wanting to watch Locke it for a while, great. but then like I just haven't got around to it, and now it's on Netflix, so like it's there. I'm yeah. gonna watch I want, it. I want to. Predate it with a little warning, but I also don't want to because I know you're still gonna watch it anyway. Yeah, uh, just enjoy. And yeah. then uh, tell me what you think. Okay, I want to. I want to. We'll uh, Andres, what's in your film queue? Um, there's. I always have a, a table next to my TV that has a whole bunch, but the ones I want. Looking at it right now. Yep. <laughs> the ones I want to tackle the most this week are uh, nostalgia and uh, Solaris. Oh yeah, the one I bought you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then in the theaters, I want to catch. Obviously, we're going to be watching Trey of Compton. Uh, I don't know if Mistress America is actually going to be fully playing because of the whole Toronto and limited releases bullshit that mm-hmm. happens. Uh, but The Gift is out. And oh, I really gift. want to see The Gift. Yeah. To... I don't think we can talk about it. <laughs> yeah. I don't, that, but uh, uh, maybe we can come back next week and just be like, we watched it. Watch The Gift. Watch <laughs> yeah. uh, two, two friends from work uh, saw it last night and the said gift. it was phenomenal. It was great. Four, four people this from film. work. I was working last night and people kept coming up to me like, oh, I'm watching the gifts. I'm like, oh, I don't know what the hell that is. <laughs> what is that? I, I feel like that. they should have titled it something better, man. I don't know. Because the, 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 clearly the marketing department has no idea what to do with it. Yeah, like, you know, the, the poster the, is just Joel Edgerton <laughs> looking at a present. I'm and like, and the great thing, like, I don't know if he, he partially produced it. I know he produced it with uh, Blumhouse did it, but he wrote, directed, and started it. Yeah. And like... I love Joel Edgerton. I've been a fan of his it's, for a while. It looks like from everything I'm hearing, it's a knock, like a knock out of the park. Like yeah, it's I'm so excited to watch that. Um, my film queue consists of The Fall now, apparently. Yeah. Uh, All about Eve, Your Highness, which I heard is actually better than people were giving it credit for. So I, you know, I, I love that kind of stuff. I don't know if I want to rewatch that. <laughs> <laughs> and Margaret, which I'm really looking forward to because oh, okay. I heard that one's fucking fantastic too. So anyway, till next week, consider the question. I'm Jeffrey Pedanera. I'm Jessica Guzman. I'm Thomas Lovell. That was Film Cue.